Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. This podcast is all about hearing from authentic leaders from across the country, gaining an understanding of the mindsets of the people that get up each day and make this country work. Uh, today, I'm speaking with Matthew Moore, senior partner at Gale Solicitors. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. No, thank you ever so much. And, you know, some regular listeners uh, may very well remember Matthew appearing on the show in the midst of the, the COVID lockdowns. So, you know, it's it's good to have you back and hopefully we can get some insights into the challenges uh, and changes both within the organisation and probably personally as well, um, you know, as we go on today. But um, if you wouldn't mind, just to start with, can you just give a bit of background about yourself and, and Gail's? Yes, indeed. Um, I'm a solicitor, uh, I've 20 years um, post-qualification. Um, I also uh, have been on the board of local charity and was for many years the chair of the local citizens' advice, uh, which is one of those honours that you tend to get uh, generously given when you're a, a high street solicitor. Uh, the firm is a relatively small high street firm. We try and deal with everything that most people will come across during the course of their lives. So really geared for providing a service for individuals and families. So that seems quite varied, not only having the, obviously being the, the senior partner, having the business side, being a solicitor, having to deal with all of that, but then also, you know, taking on the charitable elements as well. And, um, you know, those those honorary roles, it, you know, it must show that you are, um, you know, sort of well-rounded as a person and, uh, and a business leader. I certainly like to think so. Uh, I, I suspect a trifle inexperienced when I was first asked if I would like to join the board may also have been part of it. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, to be fair, it, it was interesting because it gave me uh, some insight into a very different type of business, a very different world. And I, I would certainly say I found it useful in my day-to-day -day business life, having had the experience of sitting on a board of a of a charity. Well, that's quite interesting as well, isn't it? You know, actually going in without experience, it means that you're not sort of, um, you know, you, you've not got preconceived ideas. And that's probably what always welcome um, from those that are around you. But also you you know, that willingness to learn as well and take that into your business life, regardless of how long that's been, um, you know, must have must have been quite helpful for you. Yes, definitely. And uh, you also sitting alongside people with very, very background. So there's an opportunity to learn quite a lot. I mean, there were several experienced businessmen who'd been partnered in or managers of various organizations for many years and who knew things I'd never even come across or fortunately never had to deal with. So it was it was quite useful and also helped build up a little bit of a network for me uh, for people to um, interact with, uh, which always useful to discover you're not the only one experiencing the things you experience running a business. Well, it's quite funny that you've put it exactly that way, because that's what we at the Leaders' Council, you know, try and do with a lot of our events. You know, it's, it's introducing people from cross industry, cross sector, people that would never generally come across each other so that there's a you know, bit of a support network, people that can understand the, you know, sometimes we say the loneliness of being at the top and, um, you know, actually giving a, a supporting hand. But, you know, one of the areas that you were came on and you were talking about previously during the the lockdowns was some of the the sort of struggles um that it was for being a sister but also being a senior partner having to to deal with the, the business side um you know do you think that that's got more difficult over the past few years given the challenges that have been going on or or do you think it's now starting to ease and, and got a little bit easier 
Uh, if it has got easier, I have to say I didn't notice. Um, there's, it's always tricky when you start in something like a law firm because you get made a partner because you're a good lawyer. And then, of course, you discover that you're now in a management role. You have, of course, no training for it. Uh, you may well be suited to it. You may not. But it's a totally different job and sometimes a totally different mindset to your sort of normal legal work. And that does take quite a while to adjust to for a lot of people. And I know it, it certainly did for me. I mean, I have the benefit of a senior partner with a lot of experience who kept us going at a time when I really wouldn't have had a clue what I was doing. So there is that. But it is, yeah, it's certainly, the longer you do it, the easier it gets in that you're going, yeah, I've been through this before. I know how to deal with it. I know what I'm doing. I know what I did wrong last time. I'll do it slightly better this time. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> you have to do it a lot better, but we are what we are. Oh, I like that, though. I like that. Always small improvements. You know, small improvements every day means that, uh, you know, over the long term, they turn into big ones. And, uh, you know, as you reach those those hiccups in the road, um, you know, you'll eventually be able to just uh, just deal with them very nicely and very easily and very calmly, which is uh, is quite important. But, um, you know, obviously one of the, the, the main challenges, especially within law at the moment, you know, there's so many issues that are going on at the moment we have, um, you know, from a larger perspective, we've got, uh, you know, legal issues when it comes to legislation post-Brexit. We have um, dealing post-COVID with backlog. We have legal aid and, and barristers with strikes going on. And then obviously some of the upticks in the unfortunate parts of people being at home, increased rates of, of domestic violence, um, you know, domestic issues, divorce rates over the past couple of years. Has that, you know, had a, a are you finding a knock-on effect for yourself as well? Definitely. The, it's quite interesting uh, seeing the impact of COVID over our workload. Um, at divorce work, family work has certainly seen an impact. Um, the, at the beginning of the lockdown, we had a lot of calls from people talking about problems with contact and the issues with a child going between two households, particularly if uh, one of the parents had jobs that, you know, I had one call regarding a, a father who was a paramedic. Mm. Um, and mum wasn't keen on him having contact. So there were a number of issues like that to start with. But as time has passed, we've had an increasing number of people come in saying, yeah, it was okay before lockdown, but then then my husband started working from home and we were seeing each other all day and that finished it. Um, so definitely a certain amount of that. The other thing we have seen, and this, I must admit I've asked a few other solicitors this because I, I was wondering whether it was just uh, us. But the psychological impact of the lockdown is noticeable in that the, I think the average individual we deal with is slightly more difficult to deal with than they were before COVID. And okay. it's, you always, there are always people who are harder or easier to deal with. But on average, um, fewer cases of settling at an earlier stage, arguments that would have been settled at an earlier stage on going further down the process before getting to a resolution. Um, you're also getting just more people more stressed than we than we are used to. And I've asked a number of other solicitors whether that's just our experience. And everybody I've spoken to so far has said they've had the same experience. But that, that is interesting, isn't it? It's as though people reach boiling points, but just 
stayed there and dug their heels in. Um, and then there's a, a you know, from what you're saying, it seems like there's a level of stubbornness that potentially has come with it as well. The, the need to, to, to be on top. Yeah. Is that, am I, am I getting that correct? I think something like that. It, it's difficult to say exactly, but uh, I have, not just in the law, but in um, other businesses where you're dealing primarily with the public, it seems to be a common refrain that more complaints, more uh, more people who are angry and needing more effort to, to settle them and reassure them. Um, you add that into, I mean, I've got clients who work in schools, and the impact on children, the number of children in um, needing psychological support is significantly higher than it's ever been. Mm. Um, they've got more kids on their books than ever before. And this, it has an interesting impact on us because it means that you're dealing more and more with people who are stressed. In, and we're dealing with people very often who are stressed to start with because of the mm. type of situations we're dealing with. But it means you've got an extra layer of effort that's required to manage expectations and, um, yeah, just provide the same service you've got to do more than you were doing two years ago whether that will continue or whether it'll settle back down i've absolutely no idea but I, it's been really noticeable over the last year well that, that's interesting as well you know for that's the external that's the the client or, or the people that you're dealing with are you then having to provide extra support to, to your staff to, to yourself um you know taking a bit more of a step back and, and trying to remain level-headed during these times is there anything that you've had to uh sort of improve upon to make sure that the, the, these stress levels or these um you know anger levels aren't translating into the way that you're dealing with things as well yes now a couple of things on that really because we've had two or three staff who've had significant personal difficulties at elderly relatives, for example, mm. which has meant a huge strain on them, had to rearrange our, the way our office is laid out to ensure that uh, people who've got high-risk relatives are coming into minimum contact. Mm. And the thing which I found most difficult of all, before COVID, we had a regular monthly staff meeting. We had more, a lot of interaction between people. During the course of the pandemic, um, that, of course, massively reduced. And so you have a certain amount of Zoom interaction, but that, it's not the same. I mean, it's, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same. Mm. Um, and then communication with people. Instead of being able to communicate one go in a meeting, you can send out emails. You can see people one-to-one. -one, but it was much much more difficult to maintain communication and you also had less idea of how it was being received if you've got 20 people in a room and you're giving them good bad neutral news you can kind of gauge the reaction you can get the feeling of the room mm. you're sending out an email or doing that on zoom it's much more difficult to assess absolutely i found that you know it's those unspoken cues isn't it the odd shift the eye movements the the, the general tension or not you know release of tension in many respects sometimes depending on what the conversation yeah. is um that that happens so no i i completely agree um you know that must be difficult especially when you are dealing with such you know stressful circumstances yeah very very much so and uh, i think we've had one or two of our stuff not totally unexpected but they've lost elderly members of mm. the family not through covid but other conditions but you can see the impact the fact that they were alone to a significant extent in dealing with that. Um, 
it then takes longer to process, longer to deal with. Things that things that take a month to process are taking two, three months to process. So there's yeah, there's a good deal of patience required um, in in addressing that. And when you're dealing with people, yeah. their work performance hasn't changed, it hasn't deteriorated, but they're struggling with more. So the output you're getting is taking time and we, you, it, you, we can see it beginning to return to normal now. Um, we are past, I think, the worst of that. But during the last year, it's strange, almost the first lockdown was almost living in an area which had fairly low COVID levels. Mm. Um, if you had a decent house, it really wasn't too bad. But with the second lockdown and then the possibility of a third one late last year, you could really see a degree of exhaustion and just managing staff through that and with people with very different risk levels. So you've got people who absolutely minimize contact, every safety precaution at all times, and other people who just, I've had enough, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with those people in neighboring rooms. Yeah, that's, um, um, it's, it's struggling the personalities, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. And people had different views at different periods during the last two years as well. Yes, yes. Some people have managed, or you know, have have uh, uh, taken a back step and uh, and got a little bit more, you know, worried about the situation. Some have just ploughed on and got got over it, really, haven't they? You know, it has uh, it is very much on a case by case basis, very very personal. But you know, is there anything f that you implemented from your time, whether it's from running the business, from taking on something, you know, personal challenge or you know, personal development that you're actually feeling like, you know, was a good thing that came out of this that you're going to be continuing with. Um, some of the uh, computerization that we've done, and the legal profession, there are lawyers who are terribly advanced, but the legal profession is not the world's most forward-looking when it comes to uh, modernization. Mm. And I'll make, no, I'll make no comments about the fact that barristers still wear 18th century wigs. <laughs> um, um, so some of that, we things that we talked about doing, thought we might get round to, thought would be a good idea one day, okay, this is a lot simpler. I mean, just today, for example, we've got two offices and I needed to meet with two of my colleagues, one of whom is at the main office where I work and one is at the other one. Mm. And we were desperately trying to figure diaries out and then just work out, actually, we'll put my colleague in the subsidiary office on Zoom, uh, my colleague here at Winton and myself met together, and it was just so simple. Yeah. And, it, and, and again, although Zoom is not as good as face-to-face, it's better than telephone, and there are, um, because again, you've got at least you've got some face-to-face -face contact. So there are little things like that that help. Um, as far as it, I, to some extent, it's just emphasised for me and the importance of proper interaction within, particularly a fairly a small firm within teams, and the need to the need to have regular interaction, regular mm. updates, and not just rely on email communication. Um, I'd, I'd like to say, of course, we've taken that fully on board and are doing it as, as well and as thoroughly as we should. But at least, but we are, and we're still working our way through different different ways of doing it, different things. But it will be a continual evolution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's quite interesting, again, the way the way that you've, you've said... Um, you know, that you will be continuing with these, that it has forced a few changes. It seems to have done that across so many industries, just, you know, 
accelerated that uh digitization um, in many respects of, of all different types of work and, and ways of working and uh, you do know, the embracing of you know some of the ease in, in communication and you know technology really but um, you know sometimes even just cutting out some of the face-to-face meetings that, that weren't quite so necessary before as well which is always a bonus when you're not spending two hours a day just doing uh, you know superfluous chats for no reason but um, um, you know it's it's also the Law Society recently published some of its findings looking at at um, remote hearings, uh, digitization, the pros and cons. And actually, you know, it was one of their highlighted concerns was family law as being too difficult, um, that they needed sort of in-person hearings, in-person meetings, in-person, um, you know, sort of results, uh, really. Um, amongst, there are obviously others, but it, they really highlighted that family was, was one of the issues, being one of your specialisms. Do you think that's something you yeah. would agree with? To an ex- yes, um, yes in part, um, and I think it really depends on the type of hearing. Um, there's an awful lot of work that is technically a court hearing, but really is admin. You're at an early stage, what you're really doing is setting out the parameters of the case, um, what you're going to do, and so forth. And most of the time, that's fairly routine, and it's work that really can be done remotely, and in fact, in many ways, it's better done remotely. Mm. The the situation where you really, really benefit from face-to-face is any time when you're trying to get a negotiated settlement. Um, There is, to negotiate well online, it's not impossible, and I've done a couple of interesting mediations with very well-established suites, um, breakout rooms, et cetera, Mm. that have worked very well, but there is something about being face-to-face that makes a difference. I mean, you only have to look at something like Twitter. People say things on Twitter that they would almost never say face-to-face. Mm. And so you're almost forced to be more reasonable face-to-face. So you're, it also means you go backwards and forwards. Um, you can get a better feel as well for what the parameters are. Because if you're just doing a remote meeting, things can be very black and white. Mm. Whereas if you're face-to-face, again, the verbal cues, you're going to say, okay, there's a little room for maneuver here. This is worth pursuing. You can feel that out much better face to face. So anything that requires that we're going to try and settle, we're going to try and make serious progress. Yeah. Yes, it makes a difference being face to face, and I I would broadly agree. There are exceptions, and I think I get a little nervous that the courts will just go back to oh, we were doing it face to face before. That's how we should do it. Everything should be that way. I think there is a lot of potential efficiency to be gained. I mean, there's just the benefit for myself and my client doing a 10-minute hearing um, remotely in which I can sit at my desk. Mm. Um, My client comes in and joins me half an hour beforehand. We do the hearing because it's remote, it's largely on time, which face-to-face hearings have a nasty habit of not being. (laughs) Um, And so an 11 o'clock hearing means I'm marking out my diary from 10 till 12, but in fact I'm probably only taking up half half 10 to half 11, that means less of my time, cheaper for the client, and it is a fairly efficient um, way of running things. But if you're looking at anything, yeah. So I think the admin, and there are a lot of court hearings which are really, particularly in the early stages of cases, which are administration. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there there are always exceptions, and occasionally things come up you didn't expect. And there, is, there are tactics and so forth 
admin sometimes. And but, tradition shouldn't be tradition. It shouldn't just be tradition for tradition's sake. You know, going in and making <laughs> sure that you're having these face to face all the way through. You know, it is people do need to embrace yeah. the, these changes. Hmm? Yeah, I mean, if you when you take, for example, if you're arguing over finances on a divorce, the standard court process has three hearings. And the first directions appointment is primarily an admin hearing that mm. I think works extremely well uh, remotely. The second hearing, which is an attempt to resolve the case, should be face-to-face. Mm. Uh, and I, I have actually, leaving aside the Law Society's research, I've had three different judges tell me that the um, results they've had with face-to-face hearings are so much better than remote hearings. Well, that's that's something then, isn't it? You know, it's uh, uh, sometimes there does need to be then the the in person contact, you know, the eye the eye contact from across the room, or or sometimes lack thereof. But um, uh, you know, it's uh, I'm sure these things will get worked out um, over time. But you know, anything that you want to want to contribute into this um, into this discussion, you know, the leaders' council are happy to to put forward and, and have these things as well. So you know, that's that's an interesting viewpoint. But I just want to move on to, to something you know we do a little bit of prep ask a few questions prior to these um these interviews and one of the the challenges that you raised as being you know something that had happened that was major was you know a, a loss of key staff recently um you know can you explain a little bit more about what that means and and, yeah. and what happened uh yeah a couple of things really we had for all the time i've been with the firm which is uh, 22 years now uh, we have had a significant proportion of legal aid work. Mm. And there are a number of things you need for legal aid. Apart from the expertise, you also need certain accreditation. And over, because of the changes over the last sort of 10, 12 years, um, what we do on legal aid is very different to what we used to do a decade ago. Mm. Uh, and our main lawyer on that, um, He's been, he, he loved working remotely because he lived uh, an hour away and it meant he didn't have to drive in. So a lot of benefit for him. But uh, he decided to take a job closer to his home address because, of course, we were getting back towards more working in the office and having been quite enjoying not driving for two hours a day. Um, I think it was, uh, I think there were a couple of other personal reasons for him. Yeah. Um, nothing bad with the firm. Let's finish on very, very good terms. Um, but uh, we had a, a very long look at our legal aid contract. It's something we periodically look at because it makes enough money that it covers its costs, and every now and again you get a bit more, and so on. Mm-hmm. So when he gave his notice in, we sat down and actually went through several years of figures to work out the benefit and realized that although it covered its costs, it didn't do much more, and that therefore looked losing the department really didn't have much of an impact on the firm. Um, so we've actually, expected uh, this month, stopped doing legal aid for the, the first time in our history, well, um, yeah. uh, which is a bit of a wrench for us. But the loss, again, the loss of key staff, you always think of these things as negative. Um, but this one forced us to sit down and go, okay, what actually is the benefit of this department? Mm. We've talked about it on and off, but it's been fine. It's never been a big deal. So we've been able to, you know, tick along and not worry. But because of this mini crisis, if you put it that strongly, we actually Mm. sat down, took a much more detailed look than we've taken at any other point and went, 
this isn't really benefiting us. What it does, it gives us a bunch of extra stress, a ton of paperwork, and even though the money more or less covers its costs, the scheme by which the legal aid agency pays is so bureaucratic mm. that the payment tends to be quite erratic. You don't get a kind of steady income through the year. Mm. So you can, I mean, I think it was the end of April this year before they'd, uh, legal aid costs had covered themselves. Well. We're now ahead of that. But it, you're just you're looking at that and just going, no, this is this really isn't worth us putting the effort into recruiting a new person. And they're difficult to find. Mm. The lawyers who do the type of work we were doing um, are tend to be very experienced, very few in number. There aren't many young lawyers going into it. Uh, at least the solicitors. So finding anybody who's any good is tricky, mm. and and we don't want to do the work unless we can do it well. Um, so it again, you, it's, it's something I've noticed over the years. I mean, this is a particular recent one, but sometimes it's the problems and issues that force you to do the things you really should be doing in in better times. Mm. But be, because of that, you can actually take negatives and turn them into positives for the organisation. Yeah, it means that you are taking a, a look at yourself sometimes, doesn't it? Rather yeah. than just yeah. sort of continuing again, because it's what you've always done. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned at the start, you it is one of those issues that is affecting, um, you know, the entire law, I'm going to say industry. Um as it stands at the moment, the the legal aid um, issues, and you know, as I said, as I mentioned, uh, barristers going on strike. I think only for the second time um, in their history. But um, let's see. It's going to be a, an interesting series of conversations that are going on um, over the next year. I think, as uh, you know, the backlog is is caught up with the changes oh, okay. within law courts are, are in effect, and um, you know, hopefully, there's more funding for people to actually earn a earn a wage doing it. it but um, it, it's a nice thought, but I, I always think the the difficulty when you're campaigning on legal aid cuts is that what you're in effect doing or what everyone sees you as doing is asking for more money for lawyers. Mm. And there's a surprisingly small amount of public support for that. <laughs> well, it's sometimes we're lucky that the, then the public don't have to, uh, you know, run everything. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's can't go too far down that road. Otherwise, I think I'll get told off. But um, you know, one of those. Well, well, well either of us were planning on running for the leadership i think that just went for a burden absolutely might cut that part out of the final podcast uh interview but uh i would think on that one but um you know as we sort of come to um a close i just want to ask and i, I always like to finish on this um you know what have you yeah. got coming up have you got any any plans any changes are you personally going to be doing anything new you know joining a new board taking on a new role uh, uh, to be honest i'm hoping to step away completely from citizens' advice. I've been on the board for over 15 years, and uh, I think uh, it's about time uh, I, they found a, a new uh, lawyer for the uh, locality. But apart from that, what I'm then hoping to do is find a, a new challenge. Um, there's uh, possibly a, a college nearby that needs uh, an additional governor, which I'm looking at. So that might be uh, exciting. Um, apart from that, we as a firm, we are coming to get Finding our feet again after COVID and just starting to feel like uh, we know where we are again. So some interesting possibilities. Difficult to say too much at this stage, mm. but hopefully uh, 
hopefully some interesting developments over the next year. Well, Matthew, that was absolutely great. You know, interesting to be hearing your, your viewpoints really on a, on a quite a range of issues. And, you know, hopefully once you've got those business elements, um, you know, sorted, we can have you back on another year and uh, and have another chat about the changes or not um, that have been going on. But, you know, if people want to find you, if they want to find Gale Solicitors, where would they be going? Okay. Um, there's our website. Um, and uh, if you search Gale Solicitors Bournemouth, uh, that uh, should find us. Um, and if you are in the locality, we are in North Bournemouth in a little area called Winton, um, which is one of the more exciting areas of Bournemouth. Um, but uh, either are, and we also have a Facebook page. So Gale Solicitors on Facebook uh, uh, is available, and we do try and respond to email email inquiries on either Facebook or the website um, fairly quickly. Brilliant. Well, Matthew, thank you ever so much for coming on today. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you and goodbye.